I don't know about you, but I love this season a whole lot. For various reasons, I love this season. I love the, the Christmas songs that are sung in public places about Jesus, the focus on Christ. I love the generosity, gift-giving around this time. Anybody else enjoy that? There, there tends to be more of a spirit of generosity around this, this time of year. I love all the festivities. I love all the sweets and the cookies and the, the cakes and all the, the yummy snacks and food that we get to experience. I love that we get to spend time with family. Uh, Kendall and I have family here today. Welcome. And, and others have brought their family with them here today. And we'll see your family uh, over the Christmas time. Uh, I love the family focus during this season. I love the Christmas lights. My wife and I drove, drove around the other night and just looked at the Christmas lights in, in Highland Park and just, just enjoyed the, the beautiful lights in, in, the, in the dark night, the, the, the bright shining lights. And there's many other things that I, that I love about Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year for many people. But that's not true for everybody. As the lights in the dark night tend to contrast so beautifully, uh, there's also another contrast that we, we see with people. While, while many families are enjoying the comfort and the love of their family members and friends, and many are enjoying the blessings and the gifts and, and the provision of God that they have in their lives, uh, and many are enjoying their health and enjoying just a happy, merry Christmas there are many others that are sick, that are suffering, that are struggling. And this is the most painful time of the year for so many. For so many, it reminds them of, of a loss of a loved one that, that is not able to make it there with them. Uh, it reminds them of broken relationships, maybe of family members that they're not able to see this time of year because of the brokenness of those relationships. And this morning, I just I want to put our focus on Jesus. And regardless of how your Christmas is going, how this time is being spent for you, if this is a delightful time for you or a painful time to you, I want to point you to Christ so that your Christmas can be the most meaningful, worshipful, fulfilling experience that you have. I love the anticipation of, that the kids have around this time of year. The excitement, the, the, the wonder, the, the, the anticipation of getting up early and, and unwrapping gifts that are underneath the Christmas tree. But, but the next day or the day of, those, those gifts... Are going the, the newness of them are going to fade. The remote control cars are going to get crushed. All right, the the little uh, remote control helicopters and drones are going to get caught in a tree and broken. Uh, <laughs> Carson's is already broken. Uh, the newness of those gifts will fade. But there is a gift, the greatest gift, that will never fade. And this is why we celebrate Christmas. And that is the gift of Jesus Christ coming to us. 
the arrival of the king of kings who stepped down into a dark and broken world and he came to rescue us. He came to be with us. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set the captives free. He came to open blind eyes. He came to give you and I life, abundant life. And this is why we celebrate Christmas. We remember the coming of Jesus. And so let's look at how he came and why he came. The big idea this morning is simply this, that Jesus is our king who came miraculously and humbly to the earth that he might rescue us from our sins and reconcile us to God. The book of Matthew has an account of of the the story of Jesus' birth. I'm just going to read that, and we're going to look at how he came. Matthew 1, verse 18. It's up on the screen there. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Don't just read over that too quickly. Let that sink in. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. For she will bear... A son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. Amen? And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So the first thing I just want to point out, that he came miraculously. I mean, just think about this. This is is mind-boggling to me. Jesus was born, his, his mother was a virgin, and she got pregnant. Okay? Christianity started... With, with miraculous power. Christianity started with the, with the supernatural power of God, a miracle, something divine, something that only God can do. And this, this precious girl, Mary, she has a, a child that's from the Holy Spirit. That's a miracle. Jesus came miraculously into this world. The eternal Son of God stepped into this world. And he became a baby. Let the wonder of that just sink in this season. That God, the eternal Son of God, became a baby. And he came miraculously. Now, now Joseph, at first, he, you know, he struggled with this. But an angel of the Lord shows up and says, hey, don't worry about it. This is from the Lord, Joseph. If I was Joseph, I would need some kind of divine affirmation in this situation, right? Would you not, men? Need some kind of divine affirmation that this was a God thing and not uh, some shady thing happening going on here? 
And so Christianity is powerful, and it's, it started miraculously, and even today, it continues miraculously. God miraculously changes hearts and changes lives. Jesus came into the world to do what only God himself could do. You see, we needed a Savior, a Savior who can save us from our sins, a Savior who could do what only he could do. He also came humbly. In Luke chapter 2, we're told uh, that, that she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Usually when kings or presidents or emperors show up to a place, there's, there's red carpet rolled out, right? There's this royal receiving of the king. And for Jesus, it was, a, it was a lowly, humble coming. He came as a babe. He came as a child, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's one of the things that's different about our king. He's not a proud king. He's a humble king who humbled himself. Uh, Philippians 2 says that he humbled himself and he became obedient even to the point of death. And Jesus' followers, those who follow Jesus, also choose the way of humility. And God exalts the humble. So Jesus came humbly. He was, he was born into a family that wasn't wealthy. I mean, God the Father could have chosen all kinds of families to, to, to bring his son into the world and, and raise his son up in, right? The son of God. But he chose this, this poor family. Mary and Joseph and Jesus himself grew up in this, this, this small town of Nazareth, okay? And so he came humbly, he came miraculously, and lastly, he came as a human. John 1 says this, it says, And the Word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son of God, from the Father, full of grace and truth. This baby was the Son of God, God in the flesh, as we sing about today. Hark to Herald Angels sing, uh, God in flesh. Can you imagine the pressure that Mary must have felt mothering Jesus? Like, like what, what if I drop the Son of God? Or what, you know? so, so Mary had this wonderful privilege of, of parenting and raising up and nurturing the Son of God. And she was told by the angels that this child is special, that, that he has a destiny, that he will have the throne of David and his kingdom will reign forevermore. This child is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He came miraculously, he came humbly, and he became a man. Jesus came as fully man yet fully God. It's a mystery. It's profound. But it's, it's central. It's important to the Christian faith that, that, that we hold to the reality that Jesus was God and yet he was man. Be, Jesus became a man to experience the, the pain and the suffering and the difficulties of this life. He experienced the temptations of sin. He experienced the pain of betrayal. 
He experienced the pain of losing loved ones. He experienced people that were sick around him and and brokenness around him in, in the world. And Jesus changed that. He came to bring change. He came to bring his kingdom as the God man. The word became flesh and he dwelt among us. He came he came down to meet us where we're at in our pain and in our suffering. If you're one of those who are in pain this Christmas season, Jesus came to be your Emmanuel. He came to meet you where you're at with his love, with his grace. He is full of grace and truth. He is the exact representation of God the Father in human form. God wrapped up in, 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 in a baby. This is the greatest gift ever. Amen. Again, I love, I love the, the gift giving and, and, and the receiving of gifts this time of year. That's great. And if you're, if you're like me, uh, you know, you, you, you might have waited till the last minute to do your shopping. If you went shopping yesterday, I bet you got super stressed out. Because that is the most, uh, the busiest time of the year to shop, right? Let every one of the gifts that you give and receive this Christmas remind you of the greatest gift. The gift that God gave of his son. He wrapped them up in flesh. He sent them into this world to rescue you and I. Let's look at just a couple reasons why Jesus came. In Matthew 121, it says there that she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. This is why Jesus came. It's stated very clearly here. There's many things we could say about this. There's many purpose statements that Jesus gives and the biblical writers give about why Jesus came. We could say like I said earlier, he, he came to give us life. He came to set the captives free. He came to open blind eyes and so on. Uh, but this verse here says that he came to save us from our sins. He came to save his people from their sins. His name, Jesus, means Yahweh saves. And he wasn't the only name that he wasn't the only male Hebrew child that had the name Yeshua, Jesus. Okay, there were there were other others who had that name as well. But but this Yeshua, this particular Jesus wouldn't just have a name that would declare Yahweh saves, but he would actually be the the salvation. He himself came as our savior, the one who saves us from our sins. And this implies for you and I, this implies that we need a savior. Because Jesus didn't come to save righteous people. He didn't come to save good people, people who have it all together. He came to save sinners. And if you're a sinner, if you can admit that, then you can also know that he came to save you. And you can receive that salvation, if you can humbly acknowledge that you're a sinner and you're in need of saving. You see, this is important because Jesus says to enter the kingdom of God, you got to become as humble as a little child. You got to acknowledge that you need help. Children are dependent on their parents. They ask their parents for help or they whine for it, right? They're dependent and, and, and God says, you've got to come like that. If you want salvation, Jesus says that in Matthew 18, I believe. So Jesus, Yeshua, 
the Messiah would come and he would save his people from their sins. Jesus would save us from the penalty of sin, which is death. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. He wants you to receive that gift this Christmas if you haven't. He wants you to receive his salvation as a gift. He wants you to receive eternal life as a gift. Jesus came to save us from the penalty of our sin. Jesus came to save us from the power of sin controlling our lives. Just this week, I've, I've, I've been in contact with a couple of people who are struggling with drug addiction. Just a profound, uh, uh, powerful stronghold of drug addiction on their lives that they can't shake themselves and free themselves from. Because they need a Savior. They need a Savior who can set them free from that addiction, who can change their heart and change their desires and wash away not only the penalty of their sin and, and set them free and forgive them of their sin, but also set them free and break the power of that sin. Jesus does that. And I'm living proof of that. Because December 12, 1998, Jesus came and he saved me not only from the eternal penalty of my sin, but he saved me from the present power of sin dominating my life and destroying my life and affecting those around me. This is the power of the gospel. It's powerful to those who believe. Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to all who believe. And so if you want to receive the salvation and receive the gift of eternal life, you've got to come humbly and you've got to come in faith and receive what he's done. So Jesus came to save us from our sins. He came to bring his kingdom here on earth. In Luke, Luke's account of, of the birth of Christ, he says this, uh, verse uh, uh, 31 and 32. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and, his king, and of his kingdom there will be no end. We sang that this morning. He shall reign forevermore. Forevermore, he shall reign forevermore, forevermore. Unto us a child is born, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He shall reign forevermore, forevermore. As I said last week, this is reason for us to rejoice. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Amen. The Savior reigns. The psalmist tells us the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Aren't you glad that there's not some evil tyrant on the throne of the universe ruling and reigning over everything? Aren't you glad that the one who is in charge of everything is full of grace and truth? He's loving, he's compassionate, he's just, he's kind, and there's nothing or no one that can, can, can overthrow his kingdom. 
It's an everlasting kingdom. And the increase of his government shall have no end. Amen. Amen to that. He will reign forevermore. The kingdom of God. Jesus came to bring that on earth as it is in heaven. He said to pray that. The king came announcing the kingdom of God is at hand. Change your mind. Change your direction. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Jesus brought his kingdom. Uh, Paul says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What it looks like to have Jesus reigning as king in your life means that he makes you righteous. Forgives all your sins. He gives you peace with God. You're reconciled with God. And he gives you joy, unspeakable and full of glory. That's what we talked about last week. The joy of kingdom citizens. Those who belong to to, to Jesus have joy. Heaven is described as a place of eternal joy. Can you just imagine for a moment? It's kind of hard to imagine a world, a perfect world where there's perfect love and peace and justice and joy. It's hard to imagine because the world we live in is so broken and so dark and so unjust. We experience sickness. We experience hatred and racism and violence and war and fear and death. But this kingdom that Jesus reigns over is an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. A a kingdom where you and I who belong to that kingdom will live forevermore. A kingdom where there is joy forevermore. As I shared last week, as a, as a new Christian, I was trying to fathom what eternity is going to be like. What's it going to be like when I die and go to heaven? Because I know I'm going to heaven, but what's it going to be like? And all of a sudden, I kind of I got a little bit scared thinking, wow, what if I get bored in heaven? It was kind of a scary thought for me. What if I get bored in heaven? Is there basketball up there? Is there fun stuff to do in heaven? And as soon as I felt that, I got down on my knees. I got down on my knees to pray, and I I sensed the presence of God come into my room. And I just got this big smile because I knew God was right there with me. And And I smiled and I said, God, I can spend eternity in your presence. Psalm 1611 says, in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's what God's kingdom looks like, the kingdom of heaven. And he came to bring that on earth in your life. Amen. And so we live in this moment of time where the kingdom has come. And yet we we pray and we wait and we seek for the kingdom to, to expand even more on earth as it is in heaven. The theologians call it the already, not yet. The king has come. He has brought salvation. He has brought deliverance and freedom and forgiveness of sins. He has brought his kingdom, but yet there is more to come. And so Jesus came once, the first advent, and he's coming back again. There's a second advent that we look forward to. And I urge you, church, to prepare your heart for, because we will see him with our eyes. Every eye will see him. Every knee will bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God the Father. He came to bring his kingdom here on earth. Amen. I love the hymn uh, that Charles Wesley uh, wrote, Come Now Long Expected Jesus. In, in verse 2 of that hymn, it says this, Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king. If you know it, sing it with me. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thy all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. Amen. Amen. He came to fulfill God's promise. Verse 22 and 23. It says, This took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. He came to deliver on God's promise. He came to show us that God is faithful and God will do what he said he will do. The Messiah would come and he would save and he would deliver and he would heal and he would set free. He would give life eternal. He would bring the presence of God with him. He's Emmanuel, which means God with us. And he came... Lastly, he came to suffer and to die and to reconcile us to God. He was born to die. And Jesus lived with this sense of destiny and purpose, knowing that one day he would suffer and die on a cross for the sins of the world and be buried and raised up from the dead so that you and I can be a part of that everlasting kingdom that will know no end. Amen. Wonderful. Romans 5.10 says, For if while we, were recon- while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. Jesus came to die and to reconcile us to God. As we sang earlier, God and sinners reconciled. Amen. And so how shall we respond So we looked at how he came. He came miraculously. He came humbly, born of a virgin. He he became a man. He stepped into our world. And we looked at why he came. And lastly, let's look at how we should respond or or what our response should be. In chapter 2 of Matthew, it says this. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw the star when it arose, and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the 
the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where is the Christ to be born? And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, uh, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men and secretly ascertained from them that what time the, the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them. And it came to, the, to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child. And with Mary, his mother, they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And, and, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And so I think there's an illustration here for us of how we should and shouldn't respond to Jesus' coming. Many, like Herod, are troubled by Jesus and his coming and, and by what he came to do. They, those who refuse to worship him and receive him and love him and treasure him are troubled and disturbed by, by his claims of bringing a kingdom his claims of being the king of, of, of kings and the Lord of lords. And yet there are these, these wise men that came and they worshipped him. They brought gifts to him. What an appropriate response to Christmas, to the coming of Jesus. It's appropriate for you and I to seek him and worship him. To seek him, to prepare room in your heart for Jesus. For he came and he's coming back. Seek him. Prepare room in your heart for him. Bring gifts of worship to him and offering to him. That's fitting and appropriate, right? In our culture, when somebody has a birthday, it's normal for them to receive birthday gifts, right? That, that's a common thing in our culture. It's fitting for us to bring a gift to Jesus. If we're celebrating his birth, what gift are you and I going to bring to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? What would honor Jesus this Christmas? One of the things my family and I uh, have done is if we, we've gotten a birthday cake and we've lit a candle and we've, we sing happy birthday to Jesus as, as a family. Uh, but we want to train our children to think about why we're celebrating this holiday. Because it, it's, it's natural for, for the gifts, the toys, the stuff to eclipse the beauty of, of why we're celebrating this season. Of why Jesus came. And, 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 and so appropriate response for us is to seek him, to worship him, to bring him a gift. And what does he want? Does he want our stuff? He wants our lives. He wants our hearts. He wants our hearts' affection. Jesus said the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is what God wants from you. 
Because he knows that this is the best thing for you. To give everything to him. He knows that if you put anything else in the place of him and you treasure anything or anyone more than him, you're going to end up broken hearted. You're going to end up disappointed. The newness of those earthly gifts are going to fade away. And one day they're going to go away. Even those around us that we love most are are one day going to pass away. And so God knows the only one, the only safe place for our heart's affections to be fully given is him. Love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. As I've said before, I'm, I'm surprised uh, as I, I watch my children, I'm surprised by how such a small piece of plastic can have such a strong grip on the human heart. I'm talking about Legos here. <laughs> I hear the children getting excited about that. how a small piece of plastic can have such a strong grip on the human heart. Or, or how about how about for us? So adult grips of the heart idols here. How such a small screen can have such a strong grip on our hearts and our minds and our attentions, right? God knows that he's the only one worth giving worship and seeking, and he won't disappoint us. He won't let us down. So it's appropriate for us as we, as we celebrate Christmas to respond by worship, treasuring Jesus, reflecting on what he's done, seeking him. And lastly, and this is... This is even more important, I think, if, if you haven't done this yet. Before you bring something to Jesus, he has something for you this Christmas. Receive him. Believe him. John 1, 11 through 12, it says, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So the Lord wants to give you a gift this Christmas. He wants to give you the gift of himself, Emmanuel, the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, the gift of his presence. Do you know him? Do you know the forgiveness that he offers? Do you know the salvation and the life that he gives, the joy that he gives, the peace that he gives? Do you have the righteousness that he gives as a gift? He wants that for you. And then in response, give everything to him. In response to this wonderful gift, those of us who have received the gift of Jesus and the gift of his salvation. Let us be the most passionate, joyful, worshipful, excited, affectionate people towards our Lord, our King, and our Savior because he came to save us. Amen. If you would bow with me in prayer. Lord, we thank you. Heavenly Father, for sending your Son, Jesus, to rescue us, to redeem us, to reconcile us, to save us, to give us life, to give us freedom and forgiveness, and everlasting joy 
And this season, I pray that, that you, Lord, would be the greatest joy of our hearts. And that all the other things and the relationships and all the other goodies that we have in this life would all point us back to you, to delight in you, to treasure you more than anything because you're the only one that who will not be taken from us. You're the only one that we can safely place all our devotion and affection and love in and not be disappointed and brokenhearted.